So I want to welcome again, welcome all of you here. And listen, I, I see a lot of new faces that I don't personally know, or I just met a few of you today. We're, we're in a series called Live to Give, and it's a series on generosity or, or giving. And I mean specifically your money. And the deal is, if you've been around churches that have, you've been around those kind of churches where you think all the preacher wants is your money, uh, this, like, you're thinking this is like the worst day for me to show up at your church. Well, it's really not. Uh, first of all, you notice we don't pass any plates or anything like that. We do that on purpose because I don't want to put any kind of barrier between uh, you and the message that the Lord has for you. And so uh, our desire is that, that you'd be impacted. But inasmuch as a pastor, I'm not called to raise funds. I am called to make disciples. And part of making disciples is teaching people how to manage their financial resources as it pertains to serving God. It's just part of the things that he gave us. So we're going to continue on that today. Now, in our, through the series, we've talked a lot about heart stuff. And it's been, you know, if people have come to me and talked, I've been convicted by this and really feel like God's talking to me about this. I totally get that. And, I'm, and we have made it really mostly about having a heart to give. Give not for what you get out of it. Give because giving's right. Give because it's right to worship God with money. It's right to help people with our resources. But today I am going to take a little twist on that because it, the reality of it is, is that when we give to God, we find out we cannot outgive God. Look at what Jesus Christ says in Luke chapter 6. In verse 37, he says, do not, do not judge others, and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it'll come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. Give, and you will receive. Now listen to this. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. There's a powerful picture here of some of you were here when I did the priority series and I was trying to take rocks, the big rocks, put the big rocks in and the pebbles and then some smaller pebbles and I was trying to get those into the container and when I finally had to get the small ones in, I had to kind of shake down the container to get more in. This is the picture that God has of, of him blessing us back when we give to some purpose of God. And by, I mean, Jesus said, anyone who gives a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple will not by no means lose his reward. Meaning, even the most, even the most small act, God is paying attention to your generosity. He also pays attention when we're holding back. He just does. He's God. He pays attention. <laughs> That's part of being God. But in that attentiveness, we really do reap what we sow. That's what it's saying there. The law of sowing and reaping is real. And so when we sow acts of generosity, maybe not in our time, in our understanding, but at some point in God's wisdom and spiritual economy, he makes that come back to bear upon us. And so imagine if I poured out a bucket and then God says, okay, I'm going to give that back to you and I'm going to press it down I'm gonna, so I can get more in there. I'm going to push that down as far as I can so I can load your bucket up to the, to the, to, to the highest that I can to bless you for blessing others. In Acts 20, verse 35, it says this. Paul the Apostle writes, And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. I want to invite some guests up here this morning uh, to come up to the, to the stage right now. They're going to share some stories with you about their desire. Come now, please. Thank you. Elaine. Sarah. Thanks, everybody. Uh, they're going to come. They're going to share stories about their desire, as it were, out of the blessing, out of believing it was more blessed to give than to receive and being surprised by the kindness and the goodness of God 
back to them. Now, there's a couple things I want to say about them. The reason I'm inviting them up, because some of you might say, why are they coming up here? I mean, I give lots of money to the kingdom of God. Well, A, I may not know it. B, these aren't people who've given lots of money, but they've given lots of heart, okay? And this is the reason I'm doing this is because sometimes pastors, we share stories, and you can think, well, that's because you're the pastor, which is really a dumb way of thinking because I'm really just a human being redeemed by the grace of God myself. In other words, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior, like the rest of you. And I tell these wonderful stories about what God's done in my life because he's done stuff in my life. And he'll do it in your life. And so I brought them up because I want you to hear their stories and where they've come from uh, in their journey and learning to give. All right? You're going to hear expressions uh, come up in their, what they'll share, things like tithing or first fruits. The word tithe just means a tenth. So when you hear somebody say, God was challenging me to tithe, they're saying, God was challenging me to give a tenth of my income to the purpose, to some, something of God, to, to worshiping God or to helping someone else. Uh, and you'll hear things like first fruits, which means giving before you know where how it's all going to end up. Like, say, your first paycheck of the year, you would give it to God, that kind of thing. This is some of the challenges that come up in their stories. All right, so Joe. Joe Lyons is up first. Joe's going to talk to us about how you cannot outgive God. Go, Joe. Well, my story. Uh, my bad. Joe is now going to share with us his story about. <laughs> My story starts about, uh, oh, I guess I was about halfway through my life. Uh, 1987, my wife and I moved to Lancaster County from New Jersey. And during that time, uh, she was home listening to WDAC and some of the programs that were on that station. One of them happened to be Money Matters. And Larry Burkett was the um, person speaking and she listened and listened and listened, and finally one day she confronted me. And at the time, you have to realize that um, I was uh, attending a Catholic church. I had grown up in a family where uh, we didn't struggle for money, but we didn't have a lot of money, so money was held close to the vest. Um, so my wife says to me, um, you know, I've been listening to this program, and I think God wants us to start tithing. I said, well, my gosh, we must, be, we must be giving that much already or somewhere close to that. And she said, well, I'm the bookkeeper, and uh, I checked, and it's about 1.5%. So that really hit my heart. God had been very good to us. We moved to Lancaster County. What could be better than that? Uh, we had a nice house. I had a good job. And so I was challenged. And so we discussed it, and we finally said, okay, we're going to start tithing 10% off the top from our, say, uh, for our income. So we started doing that, and life went on. Uh, eventually, we moved back to, to New Jersey, again, following career. And... Uh, so I'm working at this uh, place, and all along my family had always talked about trusting your employer to provide for you, your income, benefits, and so on. So my focus was more on that, not realizing that really God was my provision. So anyway, after 10 months on the job, uh, I was asked to leave. And so in leaving, I felt very uneasy, where is my provision? 
And what I found out was that God was my provision. During that year, uh, the next year, I did not have a real job. I did whatever was put before me. And at the end of that year, when I did my income tax, I found out that my income was almost the same as the prior year when I was employed. So I realized where my source was and my focus. Fast forward to about a year and a half ago. Uh, I'm working back, we moved back to Lancaster County. I'm working at a facility not too far from here. And uh, I come into a meeting with two folks that uh, one of them, a very, very good friend who was the big boss and another gentleman who was someone I knew very well. And so we were having this little meeting uh, at a restaurant and I could see something was up and uh, they were him hauling around and uh, I said, guys, tell me, tell me what's going on. Because I, I was suspicious. And they said, we have to, we have to ask you to leave. Uh, lots of downsizing and obviously uh, looking to uh, bring cost into con in control. And I said, okay, because I wasn't surprised and I wasn't worried because God had always been my provision. So, um, you know, they're all sad-faced and everything because they're, they're friends of mine. I said, hey, guys, don't worry about it. It'll be fine. So fast forward uh, about a year after that, this, that was June of last year to now, um, so I told them, I said, just tell everybody I'm retiring because I was very close to retirement age. That way they saved face. It didn't upset the whole environment. And I was thinking about doing it anyway. I was actually thinking about uh, retiring or leaving. So this all transpired. And um, so now we're here today. And I'm here to tell you today that God is my provision, that although I'm retired, uh, my income this year will be more than it was the previous year uh, without any true uh, job, but just because God's good to me and his mercy is greater than I could ever imagine. That's awesome. Thanks, Joe. Listen, he, uh, he, Joe referenced uh, repetitively this idea of God being his provision or being his source. If you're, this concept's new to you uh, and you want to understand that more in depth, in the first message in the series, you can go to our website at the at lifewaychurch.life at the media tab uh, and check that out. And it's the message called Check Your Heart where I, I dive into that. Uh, I think it's really important to understand that what he was getting at, the, it was challenging when they were given a percent and a half of their income to just by faith jump to yeah. 10%. It's a declaration that God can make my 90% go further than my 100% because my money is not actually my source. My money's a resource. My job's a resource. God is the source. And if my resources dry up, God can give me a new resource because it's not about the resources. It's about the source of the resource. Does that make sense? Yes. That's what he was getting at there, all right? Elaine, tell us your story about how you cannot outgive God. Okay, so, well, it's kind of ironic. I'm on my cane today because I moved uh, from one house to the other, and I actually hurt myself in the process of moving. But I have moved over 
In 25 years, I moved 52 times. And at 52, so this move, I don't even know if it would have been number 60 or what. So at any rate, because we moved 52 times, it was because my husband uh, that I was married to for 25 years became very mentally ill. Uh, he was uh, paranoid schizophrenic, he had psychotic breaks. And back in that day, I didn't know anything about mental illness. And I was raised in an upper middle class California family. I had a good life. And so what ensued then was himself medicating, being becoming an alcoholic, becoming violent, um, doing prescription drugs, abusing them, and also drugs off the streets. And I had six children in the midst of all of this. And we spent 25 years in domestic violence and mental illness. And what that life does is it takes you to a place of poverty to where uh, I, we were in the, in, in the dirt. We were, I didn't have, sometimes my children didn't have food to eat. They had very little clothing. But in the midst of all of those 25 years, I was a believer when I was 21. My mother raised me in a Baptist church, and I knew about giving. But not only that, I loved Jesus, and I believed the Bible. No matter what my circumstances were, I believed he was real and true, and he was going to see us through. So at all times, I always knew to tithe and to give. And not all the time did I have 10%, but when I had it, I gave it. And some of it looked like um, sometimes I would just go to our car because we were homeless many times. And that's back in the day when you used cash and you got change. So there would be... Those are the good old days. There was like a in the consult, you'd throw your pennies, you know, and then they would get all coated over with the Coke that dripped on them and stuff like that. I would take money in and wash it. I laundered money. So... <laughs> I don't know if that came from. Yeah, take that out of the recording. Okay, Please. yeah, thanks. But even if I had a handful of change, I had promised myself and that offering plate went past me. No matter what my circumstance, I would always give something in that offering plate. And one time it was two pennies. And that was back in the day when we had food stamps and they were like coupon books, not like the access card you swipe today. And they would come, you'd tear them out like checks and it was like $1 and $5. And I would tear out a $1 and take it to the store and buy a five cent package of Kool-Aid and get 95 cents change back. And I would even give out of that. So just to say that I had a heart of giving even in my circumstance because I just knew it was right. I knew that I loved the Lord. And so in, in that domestic violence and so forth, there came a day that, that we had to, I had to run with my children, that he had three counts of attempted homicide to, to hurt us. And this is my daughter standing here with me. And so she was a part of all of that. So at any rate, I came to Lebanon, and I landed on 10th and Lehman Street. And I was not raised. I was raised in an upper-middle-class family in California, but I landed on 10th and Lehman. And you all know that's where the drug center is, uh, the Four Corners there. Even I heard talk to somebody that's still the Four Corners for drugs there on 10th and Lehman. And life went from bad to worse because my boys then went to the gangs. Two of my boys went to the gangs. They began to take drugs, deal drugs, do jail time, went to prison. So my life was continuing to come unraveled, but I continued to give even though I was working three jobs at a time. I had no education. I was, so I called my mother. And um, mom was in her late 70s at that time, but she was a champion. She was a fighter. And I asked her to come help me. Just come help me, Mom, because I'm, I'm, I'm losing it. I can't hold it together with the children and work and feed them and make my bills. So she came, but she was not going to live on 10th and Lehman Street. No way. 
So mom said, I'm going to go house hunting. So I said, good mom, you go find a house, and I will just hand over my paychecks to you, and you be a presence there in the house for my children. So we, had, we struck a deal. But when mom found the house she wanted in Palmyra, Pennsylvania, she didn't have quite enough to make the mortgage deal. They needed my signature. And I remember going into that loan office, and when they laid that paper down, to this day I can remember, like, I shuddered in my boots. This was a woman that didn't have two nickels to rub together, and I was putting my name on a mortgage. So I signed it, and Mom got the house she wanted. We had a partnership for 18 years. But every day after I signed that mortgage, I lived in fear. I was sick all the time thinking about how am I ever going to, what have I done to put my name on that kind of money that I'm responsible for? I lost sleep. I wrung my hands. And I know this went on for eight years that every day in the midst of my other praying, I prayed, oh, God, don't let my mom die because if she does, I don't know what I'm going to do. Sure enough, after a few years, eight years, Mama had a heart attack. And she ended up in the hospital. And she survived it. But every day was my habit to go visit her on my lunch hour. And I would bring her the mail. She handled the mail. She handled the bills, even from her hospital bed. So one day I was there just chatting on lunch. And um, she was opening the bills. And she was laying them down at the side of her bed. Finally, it came time for me to leave. And um, she said, Elaine, I want you to do me a favor. I said, sure, Mom. What do you, anything. What do you want? I thought she might want me to bring her a burger or something. And she handed me those three envelopes, and she said, I want you to go deposit this in the bank, which was across the street and two blocks down. And I took a look at it, and it was $120,000 to go deposit in one day, in one instant. And then she said to me, I want you to pay the house off. So I looked at my mom, and I said, I think I can do that. So I went over there and I went to the bank and paid the house off. And you know, from that day forward, talk about my faith in God changing, that I, I had all these reasons never to doubt him. But I spent eight years of my life fretting, losing sleep, sick to my stomach, doubting the Lord, even while I'm praying, what have I done to sign on for that? When he knew it was a provision and he knew all along that he was going to come up with $120,000 in a day and pay my house off. Wow. Thanks. Um, hey, I want to say, say one thing that, you know, she talked about working three jobs or basically doing whatever it took to provide for her family. And you'll, you'll notice there's a common story that you're going to hear through each one of these stories that they were willing to do whatever it took. Because I know people, they'll come to me in financial difficulty. They lose their job, but they're unwilling. You know, I'm not going to take a job at wherever, McDonald's or Walmart or whatever, because, because really ego right? But the reality of it is, is you do what you got to do. And, and the other thing I, lo I loved about Elaine's story is her willingness to give, to desire, really, to give to God because he's God. She, she wasn't expecting anything back. She was expecting to worship God. And as a covenant, in covenant relationship with him, he provided for her yes. dramatically. Sarah, okay. tell us your story right. about how you can't outgive God. When Jimmy started the series on giving a couple weeks ago, um, I really, he had a conversation with God that night. I remember he was telling that story where he said to God, I, I'm a giver, I'm generous. And God said to him, are, are you no, really, you're not. Yeah, are you <laughs> yeah. really generous? And I was sitting in my chair going, I'm, I'm generous. I'm a very giving person. I feel like it's in my DNA. I give all the time. 
and God said the same thing to me. Uh, no, you're not. And on the way home, it hit me like a ton of bricks that I don't tithe. I don't tithe faithfully. I grew up in church, of course, with my mom, and we knew to tithe. But my mentality um, from being poor and then being a single mom and being broke that I would just pay my bills first, and then I knew how much I was supposed to tithe, but I would do it at the end if it was left over, and more often than not, it wasn't left over. So most of my Does anybody life, else know what she's talking about? Yeah, most of my life, I feel like I had the heart to tithe, but God really spoke to me that this is where I'm supposed to really be learning and growing. A couple weeks later, Floyd spoke and talked about first fruits giving, and I'm like, okay, I've heard of this, it's not enough to tithe, now I have to give like the best, the first, you know, but I made a decision then and there to not doubt God, to just trust him in it, and that day I said to God on the way home, I'm going to give every time you ask me to give, and I knew that that was going to, it was going to come quick and come fast, and he told me who to give to, how much, and it was like a flood, but I didn't doubt him, I was just anxious to see, you know, how he'd work with that, so I had the day after I made that decision, I had a lot of little things happening, one blessing after another after another. I had a healing that I never dreamt would happen. Um, but the biggest gift that I got from God um, was Thursday. And I have to share with you, Luke 6 is what pastor said, give and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. I have to tell a little backstory here of um, I was a nurse for 15 years. And it was a long struggle even to become a nurse, you know, being a single mom and, and no money. But I did it, and thanks to Hack in this area, I got my GED and then CNA and LPN to RN through Hack. Um, so 15, 15 years into nursing, after a series of really, like, tragic events, I, I had to uh, stop nursing, and it was just an instantaneous thing. And I did not know what was going to happen with my life. I had to have some spine surgeries, and as I'm recovering from spine surgeries, you know, I, I did my master's degree online, and I just gave it to God. I thought, if I'm never back in nursing, that's fine, God. I'm just going to humble myself, and I want to learn the lessons that you have for me through this. So I would do whatever jobs I could do, Home, home Depot greeter, you know, you name it, I did it. And then last year, um, out of the blue, Good Sam called me, and they said, hey, we've had your resume here for a while, and we know you're a nurse, but we need a phlebotomist to draw blood. Is that something you would want to do? And I jumped on it. I said, that would be a fabulous job. I've been doing that for a year. How many think drawing blood's a fabulous job? I love it. I love it. I'm just saying, that's a little vampirical. <laughs> I'm pretty good you've at never, it. You've never heard that, right? No. no. But... After a couple months of it being a fabulous job, I realized that my back was actually starting to really hurt and regress from the healing I've had. So I just started saying, God, I'm so grateful for this job. I love this job. Don't take it from me, but I need some help. Um, isn't there anything out there that you can do for me? But I just stayed faithful. And within days of making that promise to God that I was going to give every time that he asked me to, I got another call out of the blue from Harrisburg Area Community College. And they said, we have no idea how long your resume has been sitting here, um, but would you still be interested and would you want to teach? We need an adjunct faculty to teach phlebotomy. And I was, I, I was all over it. So Thursday I went in, had the interview, and at the end, you know, she said, 
what, does this interest you? And I tried to keep like the tears at bay and try not to scream. And she stuck her hand out and said, welcome to the team. So that is something huge that God did for me. He not brought me back. He brought me full circle back to hack and brought me back into a profession where I can use every experience and education that I have. And then stay here. So, so we get, you can clap for that though. That's yeah. good. Now, now, no, um, there, clap for God. she, we were a little time challenged last time, so they're trying to rush through this time. But she had some some really important things I want you to hear that we heard, learned in the first message. The first was, you suffered a lot of physical abuse, which caused, yes. tell, tell them a little about the physical complications okay. you had. Because it's, it's a bigger yeah. deal. This answer is not just, I right. tithe God provided a better job. Right. Go ahead. Well, not only were we abused as children, but then, as a lot of people know, you go into abusive relationships because that's all you know. And I was with a, a fiancé in the 90s where I tried to leave, and he tried to kill me. So I have my neck was broke, my arm, and my back was broke. And it took a multiple series of um, surgeries, radical surgeries, to get me back to where I'm even walking today. I was on a walker for a while. Um, and you were, and specifically, you know, she, so as she was nursing here, yeah. doing the phlebotomy, phlebotomy she was, she began, yeah. yeah. And so she began to ask God, she, yeah. she started hearing this series, you, you, after Floyd talked about first fruit, she began, I'm going to try this. Yeah. And God began to move very quickly. Yeah, very quickly. To alter the stuff. Right. So she's saying, God, I'm in pain. I don't know what I'm going to do. She was putting in the applications. They had yeah. forgotten. And all of a sudden this door opens up. Did I understand yeah. that right? Honestly, when I left Hack the other day, I'm thinking they have a resume from about five years ago, at least, because it hit me. Who keeps those? It hit me when she introduced me to someone else. She said, and she's working on her master's. And I'm like, mm, I've had my master's for five years. I didn't even correct her. And I'm like, how long has that resume been sitting there? Till I learned God's lesson, first of all, to trust him in all things, to be completely open for him to rid me of of all the garbage that has been in me for so many years of, you know, this isn't just about giving, but I've gone through forgiveness and learning to trust God's plan and his timing. And now God wants me to learn tithing and first fruits giving. All I'm going to say is I challenge you that no one has been there, done that more than you. I have been poorer than the poorest, been a single mom, pinching pennies. I guarantee you when you give, you can't outgive God. Oh, I go on and finish that story. Press down, yeah. shake it forth. What's where, tell tell them where it goes. Over and, Flo and Floyd said, I said it to myself all week, we have a rich daddy. And you know what? My dad did die. He's not here anymore. I have a rich daddy who is... Our heavenly father, yes. God. So when we, we left, she told me what the pay will be. And I uh, tried not to croak. It was a little more than $11 more an hour I'll be making. Wow. Yeah. Okay, one more story from you. Okay. okay. Tell I really them, Okay, so it. Jesus said it's more blessed to give... Than to receive. Tell them about the when God challenged you to give to that first person. Um, or did I miss? Did you already do that? The, no, I didn't this time. The yeah, dollar. Do it. I let the, we, we had a special speaker. Don't remember his name, but he gave us that 21. Luke Weaver. Luke Weaver. Mm -hmm. The 21-day challenge of loving. And I thought it was cool because I looked down briefly and I'm like, oh, I, I do all that again. I, I do all that. I give. Okay, but I'm going to take this challenge and I'm going to do it every day. And it got to the one about giving to a stranger and I kind of didn't want to do that one. You know, it's a little out of my comfort zone. But I just trusted God, and I was in the Dollar Tree getting my things, and I looked over, and there was a little lady. Um, she looked like a poor soul. She looked depressed. So I just said, when I'm paying for my things, I'm going to pay for hers too. And her head shot up, literally. She's like, no, no, you don't have to do that. And I said, yes, I do, because God told me to do that today, and I pick you. So... <laughs> 
the light on her face that came through and everyone around like wanting in on the story, I left and I felt like I was floating. It was a bigger high than I had ever given to family or friends or church. It was just a shot. No of, high like giving to a total yeah, stranger, right? Yeah, there's nothing like it. So I really want to challenge you today. Please go do that because it's a gift. It's actually a gift to feel that from God. So good. Let's give it up for all our participants today. Yeah, the Bible says uh, about, really talks about the devil and overcoming the devil. And I, I talked to you in the first message about how money, like Jesus likened money to a, 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 a false god called Mammon. And, and the idea is that we want to break the power of this. And they said they overcame, the revelations tell us they overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb. That means the death that Jesus died at the cross. By the word of their testimony. What you're hearing is the word of their story. And they did not love their lives unto death. Well, they haven't had the unto death part, but they've not loved their lives unto worshiping God because they found him more worthy. She found God more worthy than her comfort. She, in, in, in Elaine's story, they all found God more worthy than trying to figure out how they're going to pay their bills. They decided they would pay him first, or if I could put it this way, worship him first. This, this wouldn't be complete as we move into the Christmas season without a powerful story that circulated on the internet. Maybe some of you have seen it, but I want to show this here because it has some powerful uh, communication about uh, generosity. And men, if you don't want, to, if you're not a guy who likes to cry, I would strongly urge you to psych yourself up now and think about whatever pink elephants or whatever gets you through that, okay? Go ahead and roll the video, everybody. The Fox 5 Surprise Squad is powered by United Nissan, America First Credit Union, Albertsons, and Vons. Well, just days before the holidays, the Fox 5 Surprise Squad received a letter that would put into motion the largest chain of surprises ever. It began when a North Las Vegas mom of three turned to another mom of five in a time of dire need. Tisha Boschman, a bingo cashier, and her husband, also a casino worker, would help this desperate mother in a way that many couldn't even imagine. But for Tisha, it was something her past had prepared her for. This is a story of how two families became one. It began when Audrey, a mother of three, asked her friend Tisha, a mother of five, a question that would change their children's lives forever. Audrey asked Tisha, I have to go into the hospital for some testing. Could my kids spend the night at your house? The test results came back that she had stage two esophageal and stomach cancer. Audrey had asked Tisha to be the legal guardian of her kids. It wasn't much longer than that. Audrey passed away. I bow down to pray. I try to make the world seem better. Something that a lot of people don't know. Tisha was brought up in an orphanage. She was not gonna let these kids go. Her five kids and her husband have now become a family of ten. I can't do nothing for her. They could use the help. Beds some clothes, some food, because I don't know anybody in this whole world that would open her heart up to these kids. Hi, are you Tisha? Hi, Tisha. I'm Cassandra Jones with the Fox 5 Surprise Squad. Hi, we received a letter about you from Elizabeth. Is it okay if we come in to talk to you? Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about what's been going on? On the 22nd of November, my um, my neighbor, she actually passed away. She thought for sure she had another year to live. And now I'm trying to 
become a foster mom so I can become their mom. So I know you didn't know Audrey that well. What made you so compelled to want to help and, and take in these children? Because they're kids. I had to go into the foster home and I don't want them to ever have to deal with anything I had to deal with as a child because children deserve to be children. They've been through too much. They deserve a loving family and a place to call home. To adopt the kids, Tisha needs to create a real bedroom for Caden and Kendall. So my son sleeps here and Audrey's son sleeps here. It was the loft, so I need a wall to close it off to make it a bedroom. This is where Destiny and Miranda sleep. So they're sharing a bed right now. This is Alicia and Morgan's bedroom. Morgan's actually used to sharing the bed with Alicia because every time she slept over, they did this. They actually look like twins. We're still missing one. Well, you're missing two. Holly, my 17-year-old daughter, sleeps in here. And I know this is kind of a, a big open space. It's almost like she's sleeping in the kitchen. Yes. And so seven, one more. Chad sleeps on the recliners here in the living room. He's been wanting to try to find a roommate and get an apartment. It just never works out. Um, I'm at work a lot, so I would much rather me sleep on it before any of them sleep on it. I can't lose these kids. I might not have had them in my belly, but I have them in my heart. We definitely want to help. Our friends at Rebuilding Together are here, and they're going to be putting up that wall for you. Thank you, guys. This means so much. That is my big goal, is just to make sure that we are a family of 10 forever. All right, Tish, we've got our crew here. We're ready to get your wall up. Uh, Stations Casinos has you all taken care of for the rest of the week, and we'll see you in a few days. I thank you guys so much. You guys are definitely a Christmas miracle. So we told this mom that we're just putting up a wall, but in true Surprise Squad fashion, we're doing so much more. We're gonna be moving every piece of furniture out of this home so you guys can come in and redo the carpets and paint. Because of our community partners like Ryder Construction and the City of North Las Vegas, we're able to come in here and do about six weeks of work in about three or four days. We're painting the entire inside of replacing closet doors that have been broken, cleaning up the landscaping, we replaced all the carpet upstairs. We're doing everything we can to make this house a home. And thanks to our community, a truck full of furniture. Through very generous friends, we were able to raise the money for the furniture. It's important to give back and to show our kids the meaning of what the holidays are about. Amazing the number of hands that have come together to help the family get into this house. This is one of the biggest projects the Surprise Squad has done yet and we came out in full force. It's really important that this family has a nice home for Christmas and then obviously gives them the tree. Right around the holidays, of course, is when you really miss your mom. Hopefully when they walk in that door, they'll all be able to smile. And anything we can do to make their lives a little bit easier, we're more than happy to do. I can't wait to see the reveal tomorrow in your faces when they see what we've done. We're on our way to pick up the family right now, and they have no idea what's coming. you to know you're not on this journey alone. There's a lot of people. There are a lot of people here and you know what you thought we were just going to put up a wall but we're the surprise squad and we knew we had to do a whole lot more. Do you want to go see your new home?
destiny. <laughs> and now you need to touch your own head. I like it a lot. <laughs> Alicia and Morgan. This is them. How did you guys do that? Holly's next. <gasps> this is your own <laughs> What do you think? Baby. I wasn't expecting something like this. Chad, this is where you've been sleeping. We couldn't create a space for you, but we hope that we can help with something that you've been wanting. This is $1,500 to go towards getting your very own apartment. That's amazing, wow. It's been a transformation. We also want to make sure the house is full of food. So we're providing a year's worth of groceries thanks to our partners, Albertsons and Vons. Oh my God. It's usually hard to figure out how we're going to get food and we always do it, but we're not going to have to stress about that. It's amazing. It's just really overwhelming that somebody would do this for me and for my family. I didn't do anything too special. I did what anybody in my shoes would have done. We have Don Foreman from United Nissan and his family. Our family at United Nissan heard there was one more thing that your new family of 10 needed. No way. Oh my God. It fits 12. kind of things don't really happen. <laughs> I want to just keep our family of 10 the way that we've always been. We're happy. I, I love all eight of them. And, and as long as they're happy, I'm happy. That's something else, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's amazing, actually. You know, it amazes me. I mean, there's so many things I would want to pull out of there that I simply uh, I, I won't have the time to do. But, you know, um, when God flooded the earth at the time of Noah, his sign that he would never do that again once he purged the earth was to put a rainbow. Did you guys notice the rainbow over the house to catch that little video clip? If you didn't, it was there. And it's as if God was saying that in the midst of, whether these people know God or not, see, generosity is the nature of God. When we when I, when I debate with atheists or people like that, uh, we, we, our, the common motto is all truth is God's truth, right? Well, all generosity is ultimately God's generosity. By that, I mean generosity without a hook. You don't owe me anything. I just want to bless you. That, that's, that's, that's the kind, that's a God-like generosity. There's so many things that are just powerful, but there was a statement that, that, the, uh, that Tisha made, the mom made. She said this, she said, I never could have imagined that my house could look or be like this. You know, when I, I lived, you know, I grew up in a fairly well-to-do home. There's really no excuse for me not to follow. I got my parents divorced when I was 16, and it impacted my heart in a powerful way. And I went off into a life of a, a party lifestyle, uh, you know, alcohol, smoking pot, just again, sexual immorality and all that stuff. I went in the Marine Corps. While I was in the Marine Corps, um, God got a hold of my life. But I remember as I began to want to follow God, I would, I would toy that. I would go to churches and I might say a prayer, but I never really surrendered my life to God. And honestly, I know some of you here today, that's where you're at. You're, you're, you're comfortable being in, you're, you're even comfortable being in a church or being around other Christians. And, and, and you like to take God on, on your terms. But see, to follow Jesus, to call someone your Lord means they're calling the shots, not you.
I, I want to tell you something. His lordship looks like that video that you just watched. He doesn't, he doesn't take your, your broken, messed up house called your life and leave it the way he found it. He comes in, he, he like under promises and over delivers. Hey, we're going to build a little wall here. <clears throat> I'm going to renovate your total life. And we come in asking him to build a wall. And he said, if you quit asking me to build a little something in your life and give me your life, I'll make it better than you could have ever imagined. It doesn't mean it will be without hardship. My life has been hard, but my life has always been joy-filled because I sense the nearness of God, the blessing of God on my heart. See, here's the thing. Like that's, I, I, first of all, I'm just amazed at Fox 5, whatever that surprise squad, and that people would do this. Here in Las Vegas, Nevada, a place that's called Sin City, some, some amazing acts of generosity are happening. But it would be sad for me that if... Tisha and her family and her husband received all that blessing and that generosity but then died and didn't know the one who died for them the one who gave the most generous act of coming from heaven to earth to die on a cross for our sins that those believing in him wouldn't perish apart from him but have everlasting life he, in other words you can give all this stuff from, from uh, uh, flooring and, and paint and, and, and construction work and, and receive new furniture a year of food you could receive all that, or you could receive uh, a, a new van. But if you don't receive the vehicle that will carry you into eternal life, you're missing the most important thing. And I believe God wants to, he, he, when I think about Christmas, we're about to come into Christmas season, we celebrate the time that God gave the birth of his son, that those believing in him could come into the family. In other words, Jesus was born to die so that we could live and forever with him. Your previous estate, apart from God, is you won't. That's, it's not automatic. Don't assume, well, I'm, a, I'm a good person. It's not about being good. It's about being separated from life. There's some very good um, plugs and circuits and things around this facility, you know, that you can plug a, a vacuum cleaner into, but there's no electricity running to that circuit, right? Even though it's a perfectly good outlet, it's not connected to the power source. Some of you today need to surrender your lives to Jesus. And while you may be a good person, you're not a connected person. Does that make sense? And that connection happens through believing in Jesus Christ. He died for you. He loves you. And he wants to adopt you just like she wanted to adopt them into her family. I love her statement. Why do you want to do this? You barely do them because they're kids. That's why. Well, you know, to God, to think about from an eternal being, you could be 80 years old and you are but an infant in your wisdom compared to an eternal God. And, and when Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on the cross for our sins, I imagine the conversation went something like this. Son, why do you want to, Father God talking to Jesus, why do you want to go die for them? Because they're kids. And they need somebody to rescue them. Would you stand to your feet? You know, the one thing it took for Tisha, she had to have humility to receive what they were offering. She could have said, no, I don't want you in my house. No, I don't want you to do this for me. She needed to have humility. The biggest thing that I see that keeps us from coming to Christ, especially in a public facility or where people are around, it's just pride. It's just ego. When I get that out of the way and I get in touch with my real need, 
man, when I was living in sin and I, and I was in the United States Marine Corps, there was a day after partying out in Palm Springs, California, I came back. And, I, and I, my life, I was bothered by my life. Some of you are carrying the burden of your bother. Do you follow what I'm saying? You're carrying what, what's been in you from your sin. I, I hurt people. I, I, through sexual immorality, I, I, I've been in fist fights, bar fights. Some of those are legendary in this church. You guys have heard all those stories. But there was a night that I left. I got tired of it. It's you that I'm talking to tonight. You're tired of where things have been. You're, you can work. You're, you're surviving. You're paying your bills. You're doing your stuff. But... You know, there's, you know you need a change. I needed that change. I remember it. I came back, and I, I came back. I had my friend Todd take me back from the base to, to or from partying to, the, to our base. And I was everybody was still out, so I was there alone. And my mom had got converted uh, to Jesus Christ when I was 17, but I didn't want to hear anything she had to say. Some of you moms in here know what I'm talking about. Anyway, my mom kept giving me this living Bible, and, she, and I put it in my sea bag. That's the big green bag that we carry to carry all our stuff when you're in the military. It's just like, it's kind of like you're... Your locker you, that you carry around, and so I, I went back there, and I remember I, I, I was I pulled up, I opened the book of, I opened the Bible, and began to read the book of Revelation, and it scared me to death. Put that down. I went to sleep uh, thinking about those things, and I woke up the next day and began to think about my life. And a, a man who preached to me when I was a young man had said, you know, you need to be born again. And, 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 and I, I begin to think, born again, what does that mean? If I born again would mean to be, be something new, just like that house was made new, I need to be made new. And I was thinking about this. I'm smoking a cigarette. I'm having this philosophical conversation in my head. And I'm like, what does that mean? And I thought, well, surely it would mean I'm something different than I have been. And I am worse than I've ever been. That couldn't have been real in my life. I want to be authentic. I want the real deal to happen to me. I said, God, I don't know what it means. I'm smoking a cigarette, praying this prayer. I don't know what it means to be born again. But whatever it is, I want that. Took my last drag off that particular cigarette and put it out. God began to send Christians out of the woodwork to minister to me and my life went on a transformational journey not too dissimilar from the house we saw renovated and just like her I would say I would never have imagined my life could be what it is today from the perspective of where I was at then I want to tell you God can do abundantly above what you can ask imagine or think and he wants to give you an opportunity to do that today to receive Jesus as Lord of your life would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment if you're here today and you're saying, hey, I, and you're saying, I hear this, I'm touched by the generosity of these people. I'm touched by deeper by the generosity of the God who made people. And I want to experience eternal life. You, you become aware that going to church is not enough. You need to make a covenant with Jesus Christ and make him Lord of your life. Let him call the shots. You're willing to hand over the reins just like she had to hand over her keys and pull out and go away for a week and come back and see what they would do. You're willing to hand over the reins of your life and see what God will do. If you're here today and you're willing to surrender your life to Jesus, I'm asking you to raise your hand high. I won't call you forward. I just want to pray with you. Anybody else? Okay. For the rest of you, for the church, for those who believe in Jesus already, would you pray something like this with me? Say, God, I ask you to forgive me for trying to lead my life for holding back. I've put a lot of energy on focusing on what I'm giving, but not what I'm holding back. And today I surrender. Jesus, I call you Lord of my life. And I'm asking you to fill me, God, with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with a spirit of generosity.
fill me with the nature of God and give me grace to live a life that will be pleasing to you and that will impact lives for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God thanks for those who received Christ this morning.